1: You're
0: listening to the Go-Birds Pod, a Radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Yo, it is another edition of This Week in Fantasy. The final edition during draft season as we get ready for a big draft weekend. Let's get to it as always i'd like to welcome in my friend my guy the man who takes the time each week to talk to me and it is uh the one of the highlights of my week as i always say and also even the before and after the the 20 minutes that we end up talking off the air also a blast as well but i'm happy that we get to have him here to bring you the Awesome fantasy goodness that he does every week. As we head into the biggest draft weekend of the year, the most important, there is no one better to help you out than my guy, the co-owner of FootballGuys.com, Mr. Sigmund Bloom. Sigmund, what
1: up, brother? Oh, uh, it's good. It's perfect. It's really a microcosm of fantasy football. You know, fantasy football and football bring us together, but then it allows us to contribute to each other's lives, lighten the load, share anecdotes, at least feel like. You know what they what do they say misery loves company? Well, just company loves company.
0: Yeah. And and the beautiful part about drafts is, you know, when you get in the season, we all know, anyone, you know, I'm sure there's some first-time players out there and you'll find it out too. Fantasy football is not all fun and happy and rainbows. It's the best and I love it, but there are certainly going to be times each year where I am super pissed off about something or I get a bad beat or whatever. There will be misery, but right now draft season. It's all positivity. It's all the chance to win every league you're in. That's the most beautiful part about it, Sigmund, draft season.
1: Yeah, hope springs eternal. And um, as you said, a couple weeks into the season, everything we think we know, we'll realize we don't know. But that's also, I think, something that keeps us coming back.
0: Totally agree. All right, let's dive in. As uh, again, I said it, but it uh, it is so true. This is The biggest draft weekend of the year. All the smart people who wait until the end of the preseason to draft. Shout out to all you people. Too many times I have had players injured before the season even starts. It was fun drafting Julian Edelman in the fourth round of a your league last year. And then it was like, oh, see you later. Good, good, good times. Um, All right. So let's dive in. Let's help some people out. I Um, Let's start with what we've seen so far through this three preseasons, obviously the most important preseason game. And we've talked in the past about how much weight to put into preseason, but just on a macro perspective, looking at the through the three P's and the preseason games, the news of training camp and all that, who are some players who have risen up the boards the most for you over this time?
1: Yeah. uh, John Ross is a player. I think that wasn't really on our radar, going into the preseason or at least going into the offseason. And really what we're looking for a lot in the preseason is confirmation of what we heard in camp and what we heard in the offseason. Um, so he jumped actually right to the forefront of my mind. Um, it, it, Devontae Parker is a good example of someone who went down. But you think of fantasy in some cases as a zero sum game where if someone's slice of the pie is getting smaller, like Devontae Parker, then someone's getting larger. I think that's probably um Kenny Stills. Um you know, uh, we saw Andrew Luck look OK, and that brings up T- T.Y. Hilton, um, Marquis Lee's injury. And thankfully, knock on wood, we didn't have a lot of injuries this preseason, really. We had Darius Geis and then Marquis Lee were the major injuries, I think, for fantasy football. Um, but that p- pushes Keelan Cole up. Um, John Brown looked great all off-season uh, camp, preseason. Um The Cincinnati pass offense looks great. James Conner looks great. I'm being comprehensive here because, as you said, it's the draft. Uh, Royce Freeman of the rookie running backs did a lot for himself. Um, The Tyreek Hill to Patrick Mahomes connection, I know I've talked about. Marshawn Lynch looked like he's in the best shape he's been in in years. Um, Dallas Godert, I know Mm -hmm. you're – Dallas Scotter, your, uh, your her, audience, baby. yeah, your audience knows that he's ready to come out and make a really big impact right away. Ty, uh, Jordan Reed and Tyler Eifert aren't hurt, at least as of this moment, I believe. Uh, I now. haven't missed, I haven't missed anything there. Um, it looks like Christian McCaffrey is going to be a true feature back. That's pretty big. Peyton Barber outdistance Ronald Jones uh, for the starting job there. Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. Straightened that out. Um, And then Marquise Goodwin, I think, showed that he's the number one receiver in San Francisco ahead of Pierre Garçon.
0: I love the comprehensive. That's what we want. That's what going into drafts is most important. I'll fire two more off at you that that you didn't mention, but at least have been seen by some as risers based on news or signings in one case, but who obviously I think a lot of people also might have the opposite opinion of as well. Adrian Peterson, the first— What do you think about Peterson? The, oh, the I mean, sorry. obviously I, looked good yeah, in the yeah. first no, no, preseason no. game.
1: I was remiss to not mention Adrian Peterson. Um, absolutely. Actually, I think Adrian Peterson is, is the player who was not drafted in, say, early August, who now is going in the 7th, 8th, ninth round, and he deserves to go there. Look, he still has enough to be functional and productive in the NFL. He was in a terrible situation in Arizona last year. Washington's running game is better than it looked last year. They had a ton of injuries on the offensive line. They were reasonably productive with Rob Kelly and Matt Jones last year. So uh, you're looking at, especially with certain kinds of draft plans, you know, you do the opposite upside down zero running back where you don't take a running back until the fourth or fifth round. Adrian Peterson fits very well. And at this point, you're looking at guys like Carlos Hyde. I mentioned the other two, Chris Carson, Peyton Barber jamal williams is another one marshall lynch is pretty cheap and then adrian peterson these are all starting running backs you can usually get from the sixth round on and fitting into draft plans plans where you're trying to get a later hit at running back they all look good as they, they give you enough chance of hitting to make those draft plans viable so adrian peterson if you want him you should take him in the seventh or eighth round and i think that it could absolutely end up being a pick that works
0: yeah, look. If he stays healthy, I think a lot of value. The question I think for me is, does he stay healthy? And the other name, and he might not be a riser for you, but I think for a lot of people, based on the news of the off season, Josh Gordon. Are you a Josh Gordon guy? I feel like we've we've definitely talked about it, but for some reason, it's not sticking out in my head. If you're a Josh Gordon believer or not,
1: I'm a believer in his talent. There's no doubt about that. And I think Josh Gordon has been a riser in the off season, and then once we got to that point where he didn't report to camp then he dropped and then as it became a little more optimistic that he was that he, so at first the team was saying we don't know when he's going to report we expect him to report at some time this year and they were bringing des brian in for a visit that sure sounds like you're planning for life without josh gordon for a while but then they trade Corey coleman Then eventually he gets taken off the NFI list. Then uh, he he gets cleared by the league. And there's also something more to this where the league said, we'll handle this at appropriate time. And there was all this insistence that he hadn't slipped up. Something happened. And maybe the league uh, is actually becoming wiser and saying, we want to help his life stay on track. We don't want to embarrass him and they worked through it behind the scenes. So there's a lot of uncertainty, and I think it all basically ended up where Josh Gordon is basically back to where his value was a month ago with the small asterisk of the hamstring injury he had during the conditioning. But look, Josh Gordon, we can go back to when he, by his own admission, wasn't sober. He was like PWI, and he was dominating with Brian Hoyer as his quarterback, with Jason Campbell as his quarterback. Uh, Tarbar Taylor's better than either of them. He made Sammy Watkins viable, and he was getting open, Josh Gordon, at will last year, but Deshaun Kaiser was the quarterback. So the numbers have been run, and it was something like 44% of his targets were catchable targets. And a league average, or Tyrod Taylor, would be around 60%. And if you run Gordon's stats as if he was getting 60% catchable balls last year, now you see why people are willing to take him in the fourth round, because he could easily be one of these guys that tilts leagues if he plays better because now he says he's sober and i'm sure that with all the steps the league has him go through and the people that are around him that he is you know i think this is a similar situation to a, a, a mutual mutual admirers of trey anastasio and the uh, Headman man fish and my understanding is that he has people around him that are basically making sure that he's not going to get into anything i think that's yeah. probably I think that's probably where Josh Gordon is now. So it's a great it's,
0: point. And why hasn't he been there before? It feels like that feels like the perfect thing well, for someone in that situation.
1: It is. Well, but you have to have some sort of talent or something. Some there's a of lot of course. people. Of course, yeah, who, totally. And I think that Josh Gordon is is showing enough uh, optimism that he's going to get back on track. So lo- long answer to a very specific uh, question about his value, and I think that his value has made a full circle back to where it was in mid July and I understand why people will take him there the fourth round really is the round to take a chance uh, you know um, Kenyon Drake and, and Adam Gase or uh, JGI and what is Philly going to do with their backfield um, there's a lot of players like that that were there's a large range of outcomes and Josh Gordon certainly has that high range
0: Awesome stuff there, especially the Trey reference. Shout out to Trey. Um, but before we move on, I also might have to edit out the John Ross thing from before John Barchard and I are feuding over John Ross. Ooh. I'm, not, I'm not a John Ross guy. I'm not a John Ross guy. But uh, like, mostly because, and look, he, I get it, the speed and all that. From a fantasy perspective, he's just one of those guys that I hate owning where he might have like three or four huge games that could help you win, but... But I feel like you never know when he's going to have those games. But week one against the Indy
1: secondary? Like, name an Indianapolis Colts corner. I'll wait. Uh Monte Davis. Yeah, that's who name? he just burned playing for <laughs> Buffalo. Yeah, that's a good one because he's playing for Buffalo now, and I think that he beat him three times on that one play. So
0: that's fair. All right. Well, let's not give Barget any more ammunition. Uh you mentioned Devontae Parker before as someone who's fallen. Uh any other guys who you've seen falling uh kind of oh, from where wow. they were before and, and kind of where you yeah, think, if you think that's right.
1: Doug Baldwin, if he's saying he's eighty or eighty five percent chances are he's not even feeling that good. And he's feeling as good as he's going to feel this year. Um, Jarek McKinnon, uh, already not healthy. Alfred Morris is a real threat. Alfred Morris also, a, a lot Adrian Peterson coming back from the dead for fantasy. And I think could actually really have something there. Um, Cameron Meredith, there's a lot of excitement about, but I think that he failed to establish that chemistry, missed a couple of weeks of training camp and probably is going to have a pretty a, a muted impact in year one, maybe year two. Aaron Jones missed a couple of weeks with a hamstring. Jamal Williams got to control that backfield. Uh, two game suspension to start the year, so I'm not really sure what is going to happen there. Allen Robinson, a lot of excitement about him coming into Chicago. Slow ramp up. Um, I did, would not expect him to be the Allen Robinson we saw three years ago. I think he's sliding down draft boards now. Um, you know. A, Darius, guys, obvious. You know Alshon Jeffrey and Carson Wentz. I think there was a lot more optimism about Wentz when he wasn't put on the PUP to open camp. I think that with Jeffrey, we didn't know at the time that camp opened that he was going to miss at least two games. Uh, you know, these are things that you have to take into account. Um, uh, Zeke Elliott is debatable whether his value's down or not, but you at least need to address the fact that that offensive line is absolutely uh, a potential weakness compared to previous years. Um, Rashard Matthews, at least we know he had meniscus surgery. He may get back on the field in time for week one, but generally we don't want to take players that we know are already less than 100% going into the season. Um, That probably applies to Marlon Mack with his hamstring issue in Indianapolis. I was really excited about Naeem Hines in Indianapolis, and I think the rookie has just done very little to create any momentum kind of like the, the summer that Danelle Pumphrey had for the Eagles last year where yeah, yeah,
0: there's a lot as of, as it op- gets.
1: there's a lot of optimism and he just hasn't done anything to deliver Can't on hang that.
0: hang on to the football.
1: Yeah. Dante Foreman and Houston coming back from an Achilles. looks like he's going to start the year on the PPS and there's some excitement before he had that injury of him, maybe overtaking Lamar Miller this year. It's not going to happen. Isaiah Crowell is, it looks like in a committee 50-50 approach with Bilal Powell, which was not how he was being drafted at the beginning of the season, uh, off season. Um, and uh, and just Buffalo's offense. I mean, I know we were p- pessimistic about them last year and ended up being okay, but it was just a jailbreak on most plays. And Cincinnati's defense is good. Like their front seven, their, their pass rush is great. So I don't want to take anything away from them, but boy, it looks like it's going to be hard for Buffalo's offense to move the ball this year.
0: Awesome. Terrific, uh, in-depth answers there sitting All right. Um, you mentioned before, you mentioned a few times on this show so far this draft season about the concept of taking a running back early or bolstering that position early, as I've said to you and every draft I've done is, as, um, reinforce that it is absolutely necessary. If you are in a position to get one of those top running backs or to try and hit that position early, um, Quick question about that, and then I want to ask you for another draft tip. But um with that, what if you're at the back of a draft, let's say a 12-team draft, and it seems like more and more I've seen those top running backs. I mean, I've seen Melvin Gordon go as high as six in drafts. I've seen you know, all those top guys, Christian, Christian McCaffrey even creeping up, yeah. especially in PPR leagues in the first round. What do you do if you're at the back end of the draft, and you're looking at guys like DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham and... Running backs like Devontae Freeman, who aren't just at the same level as those top guys, is it is that a time to zag yeah. when others are digging. Yeah,
1: you're right. And I think that one of the things I really like about how you asked that question, James, is basically you're saying that we could start from a, a point of this is a good uh, default strategy for round one, but what if you find yourself in a situation where you have the nagging feeling that maybe it isn't the right one in this situation? And I think you have to figure out how you feel about Dalvin Cook. Because I think Dalvin Cook is the running back that's very likely to be there for you at the 1-2 uh, turn. Now, that being said, or, or if you like McCaffrey, but as you said, he's going as high as the 10th pick now or 9th pick. Wow. But that may push – that if you're lucky, that will push a Kareem Hunt or maybe a Leonard Fournette down. But I think Cook is the guy that is likely to be there at the 1-2 turn. And I've actually moved him down in my rankings to about number 15 because of Minnesota's offensive line issues, uh, because – Lactavius Murray looks better. I still think Dalvin Cook, he's not going to be a bust. That being said, you're right. Uh, starting your draft off like Julio Jones, to andre Hopkins, or Odell, Beckham, uh, Keenan Allen at the 1 2 turn or close to the 1 2 turn in a PPR league can make a lot of sense, but you need to have in your back pocket exactly knowing who you're going to be targeting at the 3 4 turn, 5 6 turn, uh, 7 8 turn running back. So the 3 4 turn running backs will be guys like. Um, Lamar Miller, I think you're reaching a little bit, and this is part of the heartbreak of being at the turn. You always seem to have to reach for players, but you can piece your draft together. You can also start runs. So I think Lamar Miller is an interesting guy there. Alex Collins, if you're lucky, will follow you at the 3-4 turn. Um, Kenyon Drake has some risk, but has a lot of upside, which fits well into a draft strategy like that. Uh, At the 5-6 turn, maybe a Rex Burkhead falls there. I think that's where you might look for Marshawn Lynch. I think that's where you look for Jamal Williams. Uh, At the 7-8 turn, we talked earlier on the show about Chris Carson, Peyton Barber, Adrian Peterson. So going wide receiver, wide receiver, or wide receiver Rob Gronkowski at the 1-2 turn, it's a good. strategy that absolutely can work. You just need to know the running backs that you're willing to reach for at the 3-4, 5-6, and 7-8 turns.
0: All right, perfect. Um, In addition to that, are there any other draft tips you've noticed or one draft tip you've noticed? I know that was a, like it was a very instinctual, when I first asked you this question, a quick answer with the running backs early. Is there anything else you've noticed with a few more drafts, a few more time under draft season under your belt is something else people should be, if possible, again, as we just talked about, every draft, you need to let the draft come to you, as they say, but if possible, is there another tip that you've kind of noticed throughout drafts this season that you think is, you know, that's something that's working.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll throw out two quickly, uh, break ties against wide receiver, because generally you're going to like what's on the board at wide receiver. The farther you go into your draft 13th, 14th, 15th round, you're still probably going to see wide receiver names that you want to at least stash and see what happens. And much like quarterback now, there isn't necessarily one right answer at tight end. So you might break ties against tight ends early on. If you're really on the fence between Gronkowski and a receiver, or you're really on the fence between Jimmy Graham and, you know, a a fifth round player. If you're really on the fence between Trey Burton and and your top quarterback or what have you, you can make a lot of different plans work at tight end. So that's also a position that should offer you flexibility. The position that doesn't give you a lot of flexibility is running back.
0: It's a great, the wide receiver point is so, so, so Troy did an auction two nights ago and I got Chris Godwin for a dollar. I got DJ Moore for a dollar. Not guys that, you know, I, I would feel great starting right away, but I think guys that have upside down the road where, you know, I, I think it's a really good point. I think you can take some nice flyers late too on receiver. And there are some consistent type guys there as well. All right, two more for sig- for you, Sigmund. Um, this one, one of those fun, uh, silly questions you probably get asked all the time, but What's the biggest mistake you've seen people make so far this draft season?
1: Mm. Oh, wow. Um, well, the biggest one for a long time was Rashad Penny, but I believe that people are backing off now of just penciling him in to be far and away the leader of the Seattle backfield just because they spent a first-round pick on him. So that, that was the biggest mistake that people are – I was seeing people make. Um, mm, now – it's hard to say because you know this is the one thing this is why this is a debate about drafting early but if preseason injuries can torpedo a team but at the same time Drafting early means people who are ahead of the curve get rewarded for being ahead of the curve because by now everybody has caught up. Um, I suppose the other mistake I'll see sometimes is just pulling the trigger a little early on quarterback. You'll see that first quarterback go like Aaron Rodgers, and then there won't be another quarterback for two rounds because everybody else has already decided that they're going to wait at quarterback. great point, man. So you don't want to break the seal at quarterback. I mean, if you want Aaron Rodgers, I get it. And it's not like it's a bat. Your team is not doomed if you take Aaron Rodgers in the third or fourth round and then Russell Wilson doesn't go until the seventh round. Um, It's just a little bit of an edge you've given up. And these little edges can... Well, it's so funny. So you know what my brain is telling me to do? This is going to release. I'm spinning spinning everyone in a circle here, making them dizzy.
0: <laughs> we love but that. I, that's the point, I, Segment.
1: I do want to point out something my colleague, Matt Waldman, wrote a terrific article about three or four or five years ago. I think he titled it, Draft It's Not All About You. So this is maybe another post draft advice to think about pre-draft, especially to calm any nerves, or when you look at your roster at the end of your draft or something happens during your draft and you and you feel remorse immediately, the draft is really only about a quarter of how you win or lose your league. There's lineup setting, there's trades and waiver wire moves. Uh, these are all ways that you improve your team. And I think everybody out there who has won a fantasy football championship will look at their starting lineup that the week they won the championship and maybe see three or four or five players they drafted. So th- this is also something where, you know, when you say what's the biggest mistake people are making, it's there's not a mistake that's so big that it can't be overcome. Don't tell me you can lose your league in the first round. You can't lose your league in the first round. Um, one of my most successful fantasy teams I can remember are our Vessel staff, League of Football guys. I think my second, fourth, and fifth round picks all busted. I got almost nothing from them and was still able to win the league. So um, maybe the biggest mistake is feeling like that a big mistake can doom your team in the draft, and then you get discouraged, and then that's what actually dooms your team.
0: So It's a great point, and, and at the point you just made at the end, too, to kind of push that a little further, the idea of getting on tilt in a draft. It happens all the time. You know, it's like if you're in an auction and and you're, you're price enforcing and you end up with a $30 guy you wanted nothing to do with, I mean, that's a killer feeling and it really does impact the way you approach the rest of your draft. It's a really good practice, like Sigmund said, to be able to step back from the moment and you know, you take someone in the fifth round, you're like oh, I can't believe I took him there. I could have gotten him around later. Whatever. Don't let it throw off your plan. Don't let it You know, put you in the wrong headspace because, uh, like Sigmund said, that's not going to kill you. You don't have to have a perfect draft. Far from it. Man, I'm having such a good time talking to Sigmund about fantasy. Uh, Real quick break from that because I got to tell you, as I am so excited about fantasy football season and as football has made its long-anticipated return to our living rooms and across America this week, It means that bragging rights and huge cash and prizes are up for grabs over at DraftKings.com. The leader in one-week fantasy sports, one-week fantasy at DraftKings. You know how much fun it is. You get to play. You get to pick a new team every single week. My favorite part is I don't have to be saddled with guys who are injured. My first-round pick going down and my season being in peril or whatever. You get to create a new team every week. It's a blast and you get to play with your buds and have a good time and all of that good stuff because nothing makes Sunday football more exciting than when you have a DraftKings lineup on the line. To celebrate week one, DraftKings is hosting a free team pick'em promo this weekend. This weekend. Download the app or go to DraftKings.com now and use the code GOBIRDS. One word, GOBIRDS. All you have to do is pick at least half of of the winning teams correctly, and you'll win a share of a million bucks. A million dollars. That's code GOBirds, only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash pick'em for details. All right, Sigmund, one more question before we get to inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom, but it's really a three in one. So I'm cheating a little bit, but last chance here, Sigmund, this is plant your flag time and we'll say bold. So you can decide whatever level of boldness you want, but give me three bold predictions for this fantasy football season.
1: Mm, I mean, some of these are woven into a lot of the work I've been doing already. So people that are familiar with my work, it might not, they might not seem that bold or that novel. Um, But well, you know, and I don't want to necessarily say, bold predictions. Like I'm certain this is going to happen, but I think these are things that could happen and change the complexion of some of these offenses. So yeah, I've talked, exactly. Yeah, it's a yeah. good way.
0: Like this is not, Hey, this is going to happen. This is something, Hey, maybe look at this player a little right. differently because right. this could happen.
1: Right. So, um, I'll give you, I'll give you three. Um, I've talked a lot about Kenny Galladay turning Detroit into a one, a one B one C with golden Tate and, uh, Marvin Jones. Cortland Sutton could do the same thing in Denver at this point. I think Cortland Sutton could make this so that Sutton, Sanders, and Demaryius Thomas are are much closer in fantasy value than their ADP indicates. Um, We remember when LeGarrette Blunt came out of nowhere to be basically a a running back one, a, a first, second round value player in New England.
0: Yeah, sure. 18 touchdowns or whatever.
1: Jeremy Hill maybe won't score 18 touchdowns, but I believe he's going to win the number four running back job there. Rex Burkhead's already hurt. Sonny Michelle's already have to have his knee drained. Uh, James White has a limited role. Jeremy Hill has dropped weight. He looks back to being the Cincinnati version physically. I think if mentally, confidence-wise, he gets back there, then uh, absolutely uh, Jeremy Hill could be somebody that helps you win your league uh the last one I'll, I'll toss out there and i've already touched on this but i want to expand on it because i'm i'm very excitable if i have a flaw in fantasy football i'm emotional i'm excitable but i also use fantasy football to get all my emotions out so maybe for me personally it still works i've gotten so excited about tyreek hill and patrick mahomes to tyreek hill as just one of those situations that we haven't seen an intersection of these kinds of talents before and so we can't comfortably Predict what the upside of that is. I might revise that and just say the whole Kansas City offense at this point. Because they, if it's either them or Indianapolis, and if Andrew Luck was 100% healthy Andrew Luck, I would apply this take to Indianapolis too. But their defense is so bad. Orlando Skandrick wasn't good enough to play for Washington. And he was immediately (laughs) taking first-team snaps for Kansas City. And then immediately out there and getting burnt. In the game, uh, Kevin White, who makes it so that Kevin White look, can finally score, can a finally touchdown. score a touchdown. Orlando Skandrick, who may get you know significant snaps for Kansas City. We're gonna watch this week one Kansas City against the Chargers. So you don't be surprised if Kansas City against the Chargers is a thirty-eight. 38- 35 41 38 game and with Patrick Mahomes and Kareem Hunt and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and a good offensive line and Andy Reid don't be surprised if that is just the kind of game script Kansas City has week in week out and that we have been underestimating that whole offense for fantasy football
0: so I love that last one and and Especially with those particular talents that they have and the fact that, you know, along with Doug Peterson, which is, of course, not a surprise, Andy Reid and Doug Peterson, the two coaches who I think have done the most with using college type schemes and spread and motion and all that type of stuff that's just a fun offense to watch. I think that could be a really, really fun team this year. I think that's a really great point. And, and to the point about the defense, you are so dead on. They need Eric Berry to come back, and they need Eric Berry to come back and play six positions. And, and clone himself, possible. yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, it's that bad. So that is, I really like that. Jeremy Hill, an interesting one, too. No one is talking about Jeremy Hill, and it's the Patriots. Uh, you know, for a last-round flyer or something like that. Philip Dorsett,
1: too, and even Cordell Patterson, although maybe yeah. I'm not to catch him. The yeah. point is that the Patriots skew – our thresholds of what it will take for a player to be relevant for fantasy. And all of those players are intriguing to me.
0: Yeah. Look, I mean, Chris Hogan, the only healthy receiver right now, we know anything about Gronk. Obviously, and, and Gronk, of course, has it's been known to miss a game or two here or there. So, uh, and obviously Edelman out the first four games. There's a real opportunity for some guys to to get themselves in Belichick and McDaniel's good graces and Tom Brady's good graces, mm-hmm. and uh, and and maybe make something out of nothing this season. All right, the time everyone's been waiting for, at least the time I've been waiting for, and I think most inside the mind of Sigmund Bloom. And um, so this is funny because I'm an idiot, and I. Thought that you and I would not talk again before the football season, at least for us here, because I was like, oh, the Eagles are playing on Thursday. Then I realized that we would. So I could have done this inside the mine next week, but we're doing it this week because I already came up with the questions. So we're going to do firsts in honor of the first week of the football season. So, you know, a theme that would have been better next week, but... I'm an idiot and I will take that hit. All right. We know we love to go to pop culture here and we'll maybe mix even a little fantasy football in here, but first, first love, whatever you want to call it. So let's start with a little pop culture. Let's start with a movie. And what I mean by this is not, you know, the first movie you ever saw or the first movie you remember, but like the first movie that changed your life, the first movie that had a profound impact on your life, your soul, whatever.
1: I mean, it has to be the Blues Brothers. And it would be the movie that is also my first favorite movie. Um, I was... Five. I was I was raised without discipline, so I got to stay up. <laughs> me a, too actually. I got, I got, can, can you tell, listeners? Yeah. Uh, my it,
0: dad. My dad showed me the unedited version of Basic Instinct when I was nine years old. So.
1: Right. Right. Yep. So, <laughs> so. So I stayed up as late as I wanted and watched whatever I wanted. And I remember watching Caddyshack and Blues Brothers and movies like that. But I really do think, and this, you know, this is a good moment for us to say right now, James, is uh, rest in peace, Aretha Franklin. I mean, yes. Aretha Franklin's like yes. they're, they're there, there are giants. You know, there, there are gods and goddesses, and then there are people like Aretha Franklin. That's like, a like, great uh, line. That's yeah. a great line. I mean, the Aretha Franklin's almost like somebody who it's like Prometheus or something. Like she got, she had access to like the stuff that is like the makes the universe breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and brought it to life, and Aretha Franklin, and Cab Calloway, and Ray Charles, and. You know, the, whatever, just the backup band, the Blues Brothers, Booker T and the MGs, you know, and James Brown and as a kid being exposed to those things. You know, I think Star Wars was really big for our generation because it exposed kids to Eastern thought and the Karate Kid to an extent. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Blues Brothers was like a, a, a big cultural outreach for a lot of us. And certainly it changed like how what I seek and what draws me in in the world
0: great answer star wars i definitely remember having like going over to buddy's houses for the weekend and we would do all three in a row at the time there were only three yes my younger listeners mm. um but uh yeah definitely uh blues brothers formative as well all right same question for a book hmm.
1: Hmm. wow because you know, there's different things going through my head, like um, and even like Encyclopedia Brown books. I remember reading. Yeah, of
0: course, of, the Hardy Boys.
1: I remember reading a lot of um, Dean Koontz and Stephen King books. that was a phase there, but uh, when I think of when I think of the a, a book that really changed me, that I the first book that really changed me when I was young. Hmm. I am remembering graduating from the Stephen King and Dean Koontz books to Michael Crichton books. And it wasn't even so much any particular one of his books like Sphere or Congo or, or Jurassic Park. Um it was the 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 getting into the minutiae, you know, getting into the details, getting into all of the Yeah, I'm I'm taken back to like calculus or trigonometry or something where you start out with like just basic addition and subtraction, and then eventually you build scaffolding and build up and build up and build up, and you get to these these functions and equations and things that can like get us to the moon, you know. Mm -hmm. And I I think that Michael Crichton's like hyper detail oriented, and it made it was made me want to learn more about or open my mind about whatever the books were about. So those books really st- stand out from my former years, but really what I would want to talk about are the books that maybe want to start the revolution, you know, books, books like, um, mumbo jumbo and re- reading, people like, James Baldwin and Audrey Lord and stuff like that. But that's for a whole different podcast that I'm sure we'll do.
0: (laughs) We need to. We've we've had some of those off the air, those podcasts. Um, Real quick, I I wasn't expecting this, but this is actually one of my deep shames as a reader because I I read a ton. I read a lot. And I've read Michael Crichton. Love him. Um, And I'm actually a huge horror fan. I love mysteries. I love all this type of stuff. I've never read a Stephen King book.
1: Ooh, there's How a lot. How crazy is that? Stephen King books are underrated, not so much for the horror elements, although he obviously has. Just look at the man's face. He has oh, a totally. sort of portal to some stuff. Like he can see the nature, but there, there. Stephen King, I think, I think what Stephen King books are really about always is that the real monster is the human. The yep. real scary yep. thing is what's inside <laughs> of human beings.
0: What uh, what would you recommend as my first Stephen King book to oh, to pop wow. my cherry, as it were?
1: Oh my lord, that's I mean, there's just so many. He All also right, well, is a good like- um, um, I would say because mm, I'm I, I, I mean, you would you probably go back and this. St- I mean, it's starting with like the giant one, but the stand yeah uh kind of like the end of the world apocalypse scenario Mm -hmm. i love those types of things that's a that's a great one okay the stand it's a tome but it's worth it
0: okay i'm in all right um same question for music which is obviously
1: yeah yeah (sighs) Um, so there's two basically um Musically, my first favorite band was Kiss, but Kiss didn't really change my life. That was like, like four years old, you know, no, late seventies. Yeah, yeah. I still had the makeup on. Speaking of youngsters out there, <laughs> you might not know that this band Kiss wore makeup at one point. Um, so around the time I was ten or eleven, um, my sister was dating a guy who you know might have been into some not very kosher things i don't know Sure, <laughs> and he, i get to check out his cds this is when cds were brand new and 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 i would get to listen to some of his cds like when she would well, she would borrow his cds and uh one of them was pink floyd the wall and Everybody. i think that i didn't understand at 10 or 11 it reminds me of that futurama episode the best futurama episode ever whenever it's a really touching episode about fry and his brother whenever he's um looking at the breakfast club soundtrack and he says, I can't wait till I'm old enough to feel ways about stuff. <laughs> and, and I think that the I think that the wall at the time I had no idea what the wall was really about or the depths of the feelings that the wall was exploring. But it, it was the first uh chance to like look into it and see like, you know, like the bottom like the void or something where you just you become aware of its existence. You become aware of the existence of the the depth and complexity of, of the human condition. And around that time, I was kind of weird. Like a lot of my friends were watching MTV. I watched MTV, Yo, MTV raps. I didn't watch a lot of MTV. Otherwise mm-hmm. I like, I did like watching VH1. Re- oh, you were, you were the VH1 guy. I was watching VH1 and <laughs> much more likely to see on VH1 than MTV. Um, one video by a band that had been around for a long time since the mid sixties. Uh, and they're, Uh, lead singer and one of the guitarists had just gone come out of a coma and was old and made it out and relearned how to play the guitar and they were touring again and they had a new album and a song about staying maintaining your grace and your life through aging called Touch of Grey and and, uh, the video folks I mean I'm sure people if you know the Grateful Dead you know it but I was just drawn in I was totally drawn in I went and got um, "In the Dark," I think was the album, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, "Hell in a Bucket" and, and "West L.A. Fade, Fade Away." And I mean, all of this, i mean, as in, again, as a ten or eleven or twelve-year-old kid, I had no idea what the Grateful Dead was about. I had no idea what this there was a scene or anything like that. It just—it created a place that I wanted to be. And um, so those those two stand out when you ask that question.
0: That is great. Created a place I wanted to be is a perfect way to talk about music. Uh, all right, Sigmund, last one. We'll have a little fun with the fantasy football of it all because we uh, normally stay away from the fantasy football for the inside the mind. But heading to the last draft weekend, of the year and into another fun awesome season of fantasy football and i know it's the game that you fall in love with but when you look back at your early days of fantasy your first wins your first leagues all that stuff who's the player who sticks out to you as the guy who you just you just loved owning and, and really kind of got you into fantasy football if any player
1: could could take that claim Ladanian tomlinson mm-hmm. Yep. oh was it fun? To, oh, was it fun. the best
0: the best
1: it, oh was it fun to have Ladanian tomlinson on your team And I remember we've come full circle, but back then when I started playing fantasy football, um, taking a running back in the first round and maybe even the second round was, uh, you know, just not, not even an option to do anything else. And every year a rookie running back would end up in the top 10. So there was always a, a raging debate going into the draft of which rookie running back are you going to target again, back to the future. This is again, what's going on. Well, the rookies have, lost momentum this preseason, but and the yeah. debate, the year that Tomlinson came in the league was Tomlinson versus Michael Bennett. And Michael Bennett was a pretty good running back for a They're
0: while. Wisconsin.
1: But Tomlinson, even though the chargers had a putrid offense was still pretty productive, not very efficient, but pretty productive that year. And then it just got better and better. And I can remember one what there was a year that he still hadn't been the number one running back yet, but he had been number two, number three, um, for a few years in a row and he was ranked as a number one running back and often going off the board as a number one pick. And in the budding fantasy community at that time, there was this big debate of why would we take a running back number one who hasn't finished number one yet? And the answer was because he's Ladanian Tomlin. <laughs> and I think that might've been the year that he, what did he do? Like score 27 touch. I don't know. Oh, it was insane. But, but that might've been the year that, um, he just, you know, went ape and, um, because he was just it was a beautiful beautiful thing to watch him play and it really created that love for me it's like players like rob gonkowski or or marshawn lynch now where it completes the circuit in fantasy when you have a player that you love and they're hitting their peak in their career and they're making things happen for your fantasy team and every time they score and every time they have one of those transcendent games whatever's going on in your life that sunday it all just falls by the wayside
0: it's a great great point and a great way to bring it back around there was Nothing more fun in any fantasy I've ever done than owning LaDanian Tomlinson during those peak years. Uh, it was, I mean, it was insane. Like four touchdown games were like, yeah, yeah sure, why not? Um, it was awesome. So, um, Sigmund, everyone, footballguys.com, the couch, get on the couch with them, listen to the Audible, him and Cecil Lamy. Sigmund, anything else uh, uh, heading into the last weekend people can, uh, can look out for?
1: If you're panicking, uh, you can get our Draft Dominator app. I think for five bucks um, at the Google Play or iTunes. Uh, uh, app store and it's like we're drafting over your shoulder like we'll take all the anxiety out of your draft and then in season we have the waiver wire dominator and the uh, trade waiver wire and trade dominator and lineup dominator which also will it's a shortcut it's like um, you know cheating almost having our collective brain power to help you or at least give someone to blame when it all goes terrible
0: (laughs) five dollars that is nothing people five that's a cup of coffee so um, I think it'll be worth it for you especially getting into this last draft weekend your biggest drafts I know I have my biggest money draft coming up so um, I definitely take advantage you, you've you heard the big brain on Sigmund imagine all the big brains over there put together helping you out during your draft that's awesome stuff so um, we'll be back next week Sigmund we'll be talking some real NFL games that matter
1: Oh, I can't wait. And that's when the roller coaster <laughs> We're still in that click, click, click right over that first hill yet. And then it's all the wind in our hair.
0: Oh, it's go time. Cannot wait. Sigmund, thank you as always. My pleasure. Such a pleasure to have you on every week, Sigmund. Just a a blast. We will be back again next week to dive into the regular season again, talking real NFL football games that matter. How awesome is that? Until then, everyone this weekend drafting... Good luck to all of you. Keep Sigmund's prescient information in your head. Be ready to go. Be prepared. And uh, and hopefully uh, you will be drafting a championship team. But like Sigmund said as well, that doesn't mean that that's going to be the team or resemble the team that's there for you at the end. So we will be here to help you all season long, every single week, me and Sigmund talking fantasy, getting you set up for each week's game, the waiver wire all season that good stuff so again thank you for listening to this week in fantasy we'll be back next week to talk some NFL week one action